2: 25
3: seasons, 4,561 episodes. I believe The Oprah Winfrey Show was one of the greatest classrooms in the world.
0: I really never thought of it that way.
3: The aha moments, the breakthroughs, the connections, the occasional ugly cry.
4: I miss missing so terribly. I miss him every single minute.
3: The LOLs, the moments that mattered. the podcast. So you're sitting in a movie theater. This is a little scenario. The people sitting behind you are yakking it up. I want you to answer this honestly. What would you really do?
2: I'd say, excuse me, could you please stop? You would? <laughs> yes, I
3: would. I've okay. done it before. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Anybody here would smolder and say nothing? You'd say <laughs> nothing. I'd probably tough it out. you tough it out. Yeah. OK, who would turn around and give a dirty look? <laughs> boy. Bold, but silent. <laughs> OK. Uh, here's another question. You want to invite friends over for dinner? They ask if they can bring their kids along. And you really want this to be adults only. And they have... Are you laughing because you've done that? Well, my friend over there, right there, uh-huh. uh, had to tell this friend here. She has... OK. Stand up, friend over there. Had to tell we this... We were having a New Year's Eve dinner party. Yeah? And
5: she had to tell this friend right here okay. that okay. her three toddler boys could not join
3: us. <laughs>
5: <laughs> but wait,
3: because that's exactly what I was going to say. They're three toddler boys. They're, they're angels. No, and they're, they're so,
5: and...
6: but we're we're very dear dear friends, so we can say that to each other, and she could say, Oh no no no. Because I said, I don't, have a, I don't think I have a babysitter at the 12th hour. Should I bring my kids and put them in the basement or just not come? And she said, well, let me help you find a babysitter.
2: That's
3: very good. I
2: called my other friend and said, what am I going to
3: do? I think she's bringing her three kids. This is adult evening night. <laughs> what? She called you and said, what do I do?
5: And this is the first I've heard about it. <laughs> you know what? It's an adult evening. My husband will die if you bring your three kids.
3: So it took you 24 hours to get the courage to, to the say To get the courage to tell her. OK, how many of you would cave in and say, of course, bring them along? <laughs> Three toddler boys, your New Year's Eve party. Yeah. Well, I just want to
5: clarify one more thing. We were all spending a fortune because we were having lobsters that we had had flown in, and we had waiters there, and, and everyone else had babysitters, because there would have been 100 kids if everyone wanted have wanted their kids there.
6: <laughs> but I also just kind of said I, I never even knew it was this big a deal. This is the first I've even ever really heard about it. <laughs> I just threw the comment out there, like, oh my gosh, I still don't have a babysitter. What am I gonna do? It was more like a conversation. But I I had a lot of options still going. I was just kind of throwing it out. I never really envisioned bringing my kids there. There. (laughs) (laughs) And and I've never, ever done that, never. So it's not like I have a pattern of this.
3: (laughs) Okay. Now, uh, what these scenarios show us is how a lot of people, you were just saying how a lot of people, she would have let the children come. You were saying it took you 24 hours to get up the courage to say, don't bring your kids. Uh, So she didn't know it was that big a deal. She didn't know that it had taken you 24 hours to figure out how to say it. And you had a babysitter already. (laughs) Okay. So what we're talking about is how we tend to avoid confrontation. They can range from big things like saying, I want a divorce. That might be tough. Anybody had to do that? Yes, ma'am. Was that tough? Yes, it was a little hard to do. <laughs> how long did you think about how you were going to say it? Probably three months. Three months. Three months. Okay. So those are, those are tough issues. We admit that. So today we're going to learn how, specifically, to stop avoiding and how to have some of those difficult conversations. Because I know for a lot of you, it's like me. You don't, even, you don't know the words to say. You don't know how to even begin to say it. This is Jan Ferris, and she's a psychologist who works with women who have an illness. I had this illness at one time. It's the disease to please. It really is like a sickness. I don't think it's in our genes, but I think it's the way women have been raised in this country to be pleasers. The major symptom, it's often incredibly difficult and even painful to say the word no. How many of you have that as an issue? Women. Really? Oh, really? Some of you are too old to have this disease. <laughs> it's still hard for me sometimes, but it's gotten a lot better.
7: We're going to talk about difficult conversations. And I know we all
3: For the past 10 years, Jan Ferris has led countless workshops just like this one. The goal to teach women to speak up for themselves, especially when the conversation gets tough. Basically, a difficult conversation
7: is any conversation that you don't want to have that you feel anxious about
3: having. and uh, that you really sort of avoid it. For 32-year-old Lori, that means any conversation where she might have to say no. What's really difficult for me
2: is to say no. I don't have
7: time to do that. I can't do that. Assertiveness tends to be more of a problem for women than men, and that's because of the way we're socialized. We're brought up to be
3: sweet. To help Lori learn to just say no, Jan suggests role-playing. Can you babysit my son uh, tomorrow? At what time? Can you watch my son tonight? No. Will you watch my son tonight?
2: No. When you ask me to watch your son, I feel stressed and I need time to myself. Great.
3: That was great. That was very good. Katherine Dang's problem is also typical. She can't express anger.
8: I have a problem of expressing how I feel.
3: Just watch how difficult Catherine finds her session. She plays a patient with an unhelpful doctor.
8: Doctor, you're me. <laughs>
3: it's okay. No, no, what's oh. the emotion? I feel angry.
7: I
8: can't do it. I feel angry and I want you to take me seriously.
3: After several hours of hard work. Catherine and Lori are starting to speak out, and Jan says they've learned the most important lesson about difficult conversations.
7: The world won't fall apart if you're really honest with your feelings and you put a boundary up with your feeling. That's the big issue, isn't it, Jan? Boundaries. It's a very big issue because you need to be honest with your feelings. And Mm -hmm. if you don't have some boundaries about that and let that
3: out, You can kind of lose yourself in the process. Absolutely. In the early days, I was so bad, so bad. You know, I've been in TV all my life, but I had a show in uh, Baltimore called People Are Talking. And the producer of that show, so I was on the air as the host of the show, just like I am here, but it was a local show. And I also did the evening news, so I was an anchorwoman. And the producer of that show at the time, uh, she had said to me one day, I need you to babysit my kids. So I am the evening anchor. And I am the host of the show, and I did not know how to tell her no. So I used to babysit her kids oh, no. <laughs> when I got off of the news. I go, OK, uh, can they come to my house? No, because they need to be asleep. So I would trek my butt over to her house, then get up in the morning, do the show, and do the evening news. I was that bad. Couldn't say no. Well, what would have meant if you had said no? What do you think would have happened? She would have been mad at me. Mm-hmm. And if she would have been mad at you then, so what? OK, now I'm doing therapy. She did this earlier. Is it OK for somebody to be mad at you? Well, at the time, I thought that her being mad at me would have ruined my work, working experience with her on that show, and she was the producer mm-hmm. of the show. I thought that she would have thought I wasn't a nice person, that I wasn't trying to do everything I could to help her. So when I finally was able to confront my producer, I wear contact lenses. So I took the contact lenses out. Oh. So that <laughs> it's almost like having your eyes closed.
5: Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. It's a great idea.
3: So I'm looking her directly in the eye but I don't see nothing. You know? I'm thinking Let me tell you exactly like it is. Where are you? <laughs> Okay. This is Linda. She says her disease to please is so bad that she can't even tell her hairstyle. Oh, I've had this too. <laughs> I've had this too. I went bald once.
5: Yeah, you're afraid to say what you want,
3: so you can't I, this tell. This is you?
5: not even a color that I chose. I like it. Yeah. But I let them pick it because I didn't want to say, "Oh no, you have to do it this way." How old are you? 29.
3: Okay, it's t- it's time to start coming. I out need of to it. get it. Yeah yeah. 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 So. When you go to the hairdresser, do they just say, do they just do with you what they want? Yes.
5: And have for years. <laughs> and they do a good job. I really, I, we talked about this earlier. I, I love them dearly. They, they do a great job, but I'm afraid to tell them what I want.
0: You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time.
3: Offer subject to change. Valid for
1: qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply.
3: Okay, I have a classic story. I know I'm talking a lot about myself, but this is classic. (laughs) I was 22, had just started this job in Baltimore as an anchorwoman. And I have a lot of hair, thick. And the news director came to me one day and said, your hair is too thick. It's messing up the chroma key. You know what that is? Yeah. That's the thing. He says, messing up the chroma key, and you need to do something about it. And he said, and by the way, I think your eyes are too far apart, too. <laughs> and your nose is too wide, and you need to do something. He says, we're, you need to do something about it. So We're going to send you to New York. This is our working in Baltimore. We're going to send you to New York, and you need a complete makeover. So I just started the job. And all of a sudden, they're trying to make me look, you know, they knew I was black. I don't know what they're trying to make me be now, <laughs> another race. Yeah. So anyway, they send me to the Shishi Poo salon. I know that. <laughs> I know the name of the salon, but I won't tell Shishi Poo Poo Salon in New York City, which is still there. I am sitting there, and I, you know, I know there's a big difference between black hair, my hair, and yours, oh, yeah. you know, the texture and stuff. So I do know that. So I thought I'm going to be brave, and I say to the people at the Shishi Poo Poo Salon, do you do black hair here? <laughs> and the guy says, "We, madame, we do black hair, we do red hair, we do blonde hair, we do your hair. <laughs> True story. So I'm walking in, and they're serving you the wine and the ho-ho and the shishi and the little cookies and the thing, and he puts a French perm on my black hair. Now, I know the perm is burning through my cerebral cortex. (laughs) I'm sitting there, and the perm is burning. I mean, my eyes are watering, and I am dying in the chair. But I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings here at this thing. This is how bad I had it. So finally, I think, my head's going to explode. I say. I think you, you, need, you, need to, you need to do something. And he says, he reads the directions. He says, no, it says 18 minutes. You've only had it on 10. Oh, so for 18 minutes, I sit there dying. They finally take the perm off, and I have nothing but scabs holding my hair oh, in. Oh, my God. It's true, absolute true story. And I ended up having to go back to the station. All of my hair fell out in two weeks. Oh, Jesus. All of it fell out. I had to have my head shaved. Wow. This is how bad I had this disease. Because I couldn't <laughs> say no. I couldn't say no to the hairdresser. Are you that bad? I, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I hope not. Oh, it's terrible. All my hair fell out Because you, you, then you think the news director had a problem with, my, with the chroma key. They really have a problem with a black and bald anchor woman. <laughs> it's true. This is Tiffany, and she says that confrontations make her physically ill. Is that true? It is true. You get sick? I, I do. The thought of confronting someone, my hands start to sweat,
6: my stomach turns, I think a lot of it was how I was raised. Uh-huh. If I did everything perfect, no one could find fault. If I kept my house together, if I did everything that I could for everyone, everything would go smoothly uh-huh. and no one would be angry. And I carry that over into adulthood where I try to, I try to please everyone in my life. Uh-huh. I don't discipline my daughter. because. You don't want her angry with you. It upsets her. It upsets me. And I don't want to be the bad guy. Mm-hmm. So I apologize to my therapist for unloading oh. on her because <laughs> I, I feel like this woman might have been having a good day until I came to see her. Yeah. And then I've ruined her day. So if I see people having a confrontation, if yeah. people are asserting themselves, I will leave the area. That's right, because it makes
3: you uncomfortable even to see other people do it.
6: In a restaurant, people will, you know, if I get the wrong food, I would eat it. I would never send it back, because I would offend someone. If the lady next to me is complaining about her salad or her food, I would, I want to say, my food's okay. You know, I like mine. It's really good, because (laughs) I feel bad for the waiter to have to have someone say something to him. Tiffany,
7: uh, what does it mean when you take care of everybody else like that? What happens to you in the process? I don't
6: take care of myself, and um, yeah. It's, there's no time for me, Mm -hmm. you know.
7: Do you you deserve to take care of yourself, though? See, that's a big question. I would think you do. You know,
6: I've never thought about whether, I I don't think about myself, you know. It's, Mm. it's always someone
3: else, Mm. you know. So the bottom line is, you don't know how to stand up for yourself. It's easier not to.
5: Much easier which I'm sure that isn't true, if you could figure out how to do it. But to stand up for yourself, it it seems like you would have to be making someone else back down or hurting somebody else's feelings. It's very important that I don't hurt anybody else.
7: Well, the first thing I would ask, do the consequences outweigh standing up for yourself? I don't know. I've never done it. The pain. No, I mean not standing up for yourself, the pain of not taking the risk. Is that worse than actually trying to stand up
6: for yourself? I mean, do you think it is?
5: Probably in my head, yeah.
6: In your head? Uh huh. Certainly in your head. Certainly in your head. And I want people to like me so badly that I will do anything. And if they don't like me, I won't accept that. Because there's no reason for you not to like me. You have to like me because I bought you a gift. Or, you know, I walked your dog in the rain, you know, and I I, I, I babysit your yes. kids. I'll do anything for you if you say, wow, you're a nice person. I really like you. Well, so okay. all the approvals coming from outside. It has to, yes, it yeah. has to come because yeah. it doesn't come all from, from
7: outside. What about inside, though? <laughs> <laughs> See, you know, that, that's really hard to do. Because in, in the society, you know, we're told we have to look a certain way. We have to weigh a certain amount. And I used to be 230 pounds, and then I lost weight, and I thought, wait a minute, I'm the same person inside, you know? And I think you really have to know that it's inside what counts. And you have to start to get there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
3: Yeah. Part of it is you haven't decided for yourself. And this this takes some soul-searching, and I speak from, you know, life experience. You have to decide for yourself that you really are good enough that you are good enough. You're good enough to protect. You're good enough to defend. You're good enough to set up boundaries for. And you have to make that decision. And once you make it, and it, it's not easy. It's not going to come like today. You're not going to walk home and say, well, I got it, and I made the decision. Once you make it, it comes in we're taking small steps. Once you make it, it really won't matter what the other people think, because you know for yourself. You are so certain in yourself that you are a good person that if somebody else outside yourself says you're not, well, you, you know, you say, well, you just you, you got the wrong impression, because I know that I am.
7: There's the boundary she's mm-hmm. talking about right yes, there. Yes, it, but it's that's, small that's steps. Hard. Baby steps. No,
3: no, but it's, it's baby, teeny, tiny steps. It doesn't all come at one time. You can't just say yeah. no to a major big thing. You have to start saying little no's, mm-hmm. like little no's, and you'll feel like the world didn't and, fall you know, apart. And doing it with somebody that maybe is kind of safe, you know,
7: that. Your husband. Oh, and, well, if it's, if it's safe, I mean, if you think you're a little more comfortable there, or maybe with a stranger, you know, that you'll never see again, maybe. And, and it's a little safer because, you know, it's not a huge risk. And then you kind of build up bigger and bigger and bigger to the more difficult conversations until you get to a whopper, and you find out, wait a minute, I'm still alive. Yeah. I've survived. And I'm still very supportive of the other person. It's a win-win situation. It shouldn't be something
3: where you're, you're being overly aggressive and tearing down the other person. See, and I learned, too, because it's very hard if you have the disease really badly to, if yeah. somebody asks you immediately, if somebody asks you something, even to this day, I'll say, give me a minute to think about it, or Great. can I get back to you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Give me I, a minute to think about it. I just yeah. say yes. You just I say even yes. don't think about yeah. it. I, I mean, I know. I know. I, I, used to, I used to be there, too. You say, give me a minute to think about it, and that way you can compose yourself, because many times you say yes, and then you're in the thing, you're doing it, and you think later, I should have said, uh-huh. said it, I could have said it. You know what I'm saying? But if you say, give me a minute, let me think about it, or let me get back to you, and I'll let you know tomorrow, blah, 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 whatever. But it's little teeny tiny steps. You know,
7: Oprah, I call that, that instant reaction the dinosaur brain, because we tend to be kind of primitive. Yeah. And this goes to the core of our feelings. And so right away, the feelings come up, and it's like, just react to it. Uh-huh. And, you know, if you just step back and step think, back, just wait a minute,
3: think about this it a little while. This is huge, though. Yeah. I know uh, you know, a lot of people, a lot of you all raised your hands, and we all have it. But I think it, it changes the course of your life in many ways, because you're not able to live the life of your dreams. You're always living somebody else's. Yeah. Don't you agree? Yeah. I, I yeah. mean, it's huge. Here's some advice about how to break the ice for those tough talks. Here we go. There's no easy way to break off an engagement, but in his book Life Scripts, author Stephen Pollen provides some helpful guidelines. He says the secret is to accept full responsibility, stress that the problem is with you, not your former fiancé, make it clear that this is your final decision, and absorb any anger your fiancé shows you. After all, it's understandable under the circumstances. Okay, here's another tricky one. How do you tell somebody that they have bad breath? Well, Stephen Pollan suggested you should try not to be embarrassed. The other person will be embarrassed enough for the both of you. Bring along some breath mints and ask if they would like one. You can say, I don't know about you, but I really need these after lunch. That should do the trick. Yeah, I just assume that anytime anybody offers me one, that's what I have. That I'm having a little problem. Because otherwise, why would you do that? Mm-hmm. You know, I was in the back of a car the other day, and somebody did, and I really didn't want one, but I thought, I guess maybe I should have it. <laughs> uh, we've been talking to people who have trouble dealing with difficult situations. This is Doug Stone and Sheila Heen. They are part of a Harvard Law School's negotiation project, and they've written a book called Difficult Conversations. And Doug says that there are clear-cut reasons why Certain conversations are more difficult than others. That's why they wrote the book, Difficult Conversations. Why?
9: Well, I want to give you two reasons. Mm-hmm. One is difficult conversations always have the potential to change how we see ourselves. And I want to come back to this, this question about people pleasers, where you're talking about, can I say no? Someone mm-hmm. asked me about babysitting. and you, mm-hmm. you can answer the question by saying, you know, I feel really mixed about this. I like your kids. I like babysitting. I like you and i'm the kind of person that likes to help out at the same time i do need to sort of draw limits and there's something else that i have to do that's really important to me
3: i wouldn't have been able to say that <laughs> so help me god i was 22 23 i couldn't i wouldn't I, I, I wouldn't have been able to say that the
2: reason it's hard is that you're afraid what are they thinking about me they're thinking i'm not generous they're right. thinking i'm not their friend and that is upsetting there's something that it says about who we are that disables yeah, you're thinking us. they're going
3: that's why I was saying, you've got to know yourself. Right. Yeah. Once yeah. you really know yourself, yeah. but it takes yeah. some time to get there. Once and you know yourself that you are right. good, and kind, that, generous. Yeah. And
2: accept that you're not always perfectly good, kind, or generous, that you're going to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. You're not perfect. That's something I think that we also have to accept about ourselves.
0: You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu.
1: Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style and you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.
3: Okay, this is Lori, and she says (laughs) she's afraid to say I love you to the people that matter the most to her. And she says it's affected every aspect of her life, really.
4: It really does affect me. It affects my dad had health scare this past fall, and I wanted to be able to say it to him so badly. And he lives in Missouri, and I live in California. And I can write it in a card. And I thought, well, I could try and say it on the telephone, but there's a lot of anxiety that comes in trying to say it.
3: To say it. And... Just the the words, I love you? Yes. I love you. Yeah. Just those words. Just those words. Okay.
4: So I wanted to be able to say it. And I had all these visions of, well, what happens if something happens to him? I mean, I well up just thinking about it, because it it has such a weighted image in my head. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, it's not the words. So you, yes? Mm -hmm. It's not the words. It's identifying with the fact that you can expose yourself to, in turn, feel that
3: unconditional acceptance back. So you've never said it to your mom or dad? Well,
4: since my parents have divorced, it opened up a lot of communication for us. In general, we didn't verbally communicate a lot in my family. So I've been able to say it to my mom, I haven't been able to say it to my dad. I'm engaged now, and I'm able to say it to my fiance, but there's always a step in between where I'm very aware that I'm saying it. It's not an in-the-moment,
3: spontaneous
4: mm-hmm. sort of thing for me. Well, it's- Sheila
3: has a coaching technique she calls doubling to help people work through a conversation. She's going to try it with Lori and Anne. Go ahead, Sheila. Okay.
2: First, one thing I want to say is, you described it as a cop-out, that it was never said in your family, and that's why it's hard. I don't think it's a cop-out at all, because we each grow up learning what emotions are okay to talk about and which ones are really better left unsaid, and we carry that with us. And it's hardest to break in the relationships where we learned it. Um, And what I want to do is come down and just get inside your head and think about, why is this so hard for me, and Mm -hmm. what is it that I want?
3: Is that OK. Okay. Sure. You think about it, too, in regards to hair color. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you want to do, Sheila?
2: So let me just start a few sentences and then you finish them. And okay. let's see what's going on in your head okay. as you're thinking. What I'm most afraid of if I said, I love you, is... Probably the fear of rejection. Mm-hmm. And what would that look like? What would my mom say that would make me feel rejected?
4: I'm. I'm not sure, because my mom will say it back. But as a child, I didn't know that.
2: And it's hard to let that fear go. I also feel lots of... Sheila, isn't it
3: not only hard, but she's wounded by that. Yeah. That is a
2: deep wound that has not been healed. And the scar gets picked open a little bit each time you think about it.
4: And I think a lot of it, too, is that I hold on to the anger and and want to point the finger that, because of you, I can't say this, because that's the easiest way to identify with the fact that it's difficult for me.
2: Yeah. Um, And this is really common, which is if you also have negative feelings, they're going to block being able to express positive feelings. Right. Hmm. And so sometimes it's important to say both things, to say, you know, in the past I felt frustrated or angry, and at the same time, I do love you so much. Mm -hmm. Do you want to try to say that? Sure. Mm
4: And can I steal your words? <laughs> take anything in the words, right it? out of your mouth. <laughs> and I'll go back to your. This is really mixed up in my head right now. But when yeah. I come back, I do love you very much. And though we didn't always say that, I did know. I did know that you loved me. I think I worried a lot that there were conditions that came with that love. And then I recognize now, as an adult, that I need to remove those conditions for myself and that the love in return comes from accepting that who you are and how you love me is exactly how it's supposed to be. So I
3: love you very much. I
0: love you, too, (laughs) sweetheart.
3: Well, that's great. It's supposed to be the happiest time of your life, but more often than not, it's a series of battles with difficult conversations at every turn. This is Kira and Ben, and they know firsthand how hard it can be to get ready for that big day.
8: Dear Oprah, everyone thinks planning a wedding should be fun, but it can easily get overwhelming. Ben and I have been engaged for a year and a half. We've been engaged so long because I knew planning a wedding would be stressful, and I wanted to put it off but our day is fast approaching. There have been lots of difficult conversations. I have step-family, so the seating is tricky. The dress shop lost my dress, and my mother and I were at odds over the guest list. There are days when I am so tired and tense, I want to just sit down and cry. As for me and Ben, we now have a solid understanding of why some couples elope.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So Kira says that what frustrates her the most is that Ben tries to avoid difficult conversations altogether, is that true?
8: yeah, it's very true. And that's that's always been a pattern with us. We've been together for seven years. And he's somebody who likes to avoid conflict, and I am very confrontational. So it's only been magnified by all the wedding stress. You know, I'm very tired. Uh, I have no patience. And that's not a good thing, especially when he's, I think, afraid to approach me about some things. For the most part, we've agreed about most of the wedding stuff, but we have had some things. Some difficult conversations? So. Uh, yeah, a
9: few. <laughs> well, weddings, weddings are just going to magnify anything. We, right. it's, a, it's a public statement for each of you and for your families right. of sort of who you are in the world mm-hmm. and how you want to be seen. And there's so many conflicts in that. Whatever your patterns are together are going to be multiplied by 10. Right. Yeah, married. and
8: we have really, really found that to be true. I mean, like I said, especially because I'm so tired. Who's paying for it? Everybody's kind of kicking in. Oh, OK. So, I was going mean... to say, because he
3: who pays rules. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually, it's actually <laughs> That's generally my thoughts on the matter. <laughs> I mean, sure. You pay and you get the flowers you want, but OK. No,
8: I made sure that I paid for my dress so that nobody, you know, okay. that was like the one thing. What that... should
3: they do?
2: Well, one of the things that is hard about weddings is that there's sort of this tyranny of a million decisions, you know, tablecloth selection. And so you play out all of the deeper emotional issues and identity issues through arguing about what kind of, you know, centerpiece we're gonna have. Right. So our recommendation is really to speak to the feelings underlying mm-hmm. all of those issues mm-hmm. of fear or anxiety. You see, that's what I have trouble with. I'm uh, fairly laid back or, or I'm the more passive of the two of us, I'll put it that way. And what's frustrating, I think most frustrating for her is that very often I won't engage in the conversation if I see it becoming difficult or if I can see on down the line that it's, it's gonna become, uh, emotional or for, or if, yeah. if, This is going know. a place
3: I don't want to head for a centerpiece. Exactly. <laughs>
1: exactly. Then just I come won't This couple over there
3: is nodding. I just saw him kiss her. Because oh. <laughs> I guess it was bringing up some memories for you guys. Oh, oh yeah. His
8: mother-in-law needed, or my mother-in-law needed a grand march. I didn't know what a grand march was, but it, and different things that, just different, coming from different families and different ideas. What is the, a grand march? It is going around the, center of the stage, you and see, everyone holding a hand. <laughs> <laughs> and let me tell you, we got the grand march. Yes, I mean, in the end, did. the people that fight the hardest win, but...
9: That's right. <laughs> see, it, what the difference was, is I wanted to be involved. Most most guys just, like, don't care at all. And I was like, no, no, but maybe we should do it this way, so...
8: It was a difficult, very difficult, difficult. time. Everyone said, I love planning a wedding. It's the best time of your life. <laughs> it was the worst time of my life.
3: <laughs> <laughs> For you, too? I,
8: I am dying for it to be over. We just want our lives back at this point. I mean, part of it is that it's been so long, but the other part of it is, you, just you know. just
3: our lives back. You know,
8: honestly, when it really comes right down to it. Yeah, you know, we want things to look nice. We want people to have a good time and to be comfortable. Sure. But, you know, honestly, is the tablecloth really that important? Well, when you're in the moment, yes, it is. But, you know, five hours later, you're like, all right, was well, that really worth it, you know? and. It's not even that kind of stuff that we're arguing over. He has been very helpful as well. I mean, he's kind of stayed out of the flowers and that kind of thing. But he has been involved. So we're not really arguing about that kind of thing. It's more like, you know, budget-related or, you know, mm-hmm. because I'm a spender and he's not. So even though it's not all of our
3: money... Could we get these worked out before <laughs> the wedding? Because <laughs> <laughs> this that's, will show up again and again in the relationship. Yeah. And well, that Money's a what big thing, said. though. Yeah. That's my big M- Money is a
7: big thing because there's all these emotions tied up with money, yeah. too,
3: right? Absolutely. Yeah. OK, here's a scenario that most of us can relate to. Imagine what it's like to be sitting in your living room, but you can barely hear yourself think because your neighbor is practicing the drums. Mm-hmm. This is Amy, and she says that her next-door neighbor's passion for the drums was about to drum her straight out of the neighborhood, correct?
5: <laughs> yeah, it was. It, mm-hmm. was. it was really difficult, and I didn't know him well enough to know how to approach the subject. It was really tough. I, I was just at a loss for words because I was fearful
3: of his response to me. Yeah. And didn't in this know day and age, all. it pays to be. You don't know. Well,
5: yeah. And our mm-hmm. faces you know, our houses face opposite streets. So I didn't really have very many opportunities to have any kind of a relationship with him. We, you know, said hi a few times. And so when it started, he built a uh, shed, an outbuilding, right on our property line, like within feet of my, where my kids' beds are. Wow. And so, you know, I'm sure he had no clue how loud it was to us. But boy, it sounded like we were having an open-air concert in our front yard. and. I didn't know what to do, and so I, I freaked. <laughs>
7: <laughs> What'd you do?
5: I called the police.
7: <laughs> Is that why you didn't have to look at
3: the neighbor? Yes, because
5: the... I was afraid of his response to me. So I thought, well, mm-hmm. he can respond to the cop.
7: <laughs> oh,
3: see. <not laughs> Maybe somebody else called the police on him, right? Maybe. I'd be afraid to do that. I'd say I'd be afraid to do that, because then the police have come.
7: Well, see, it was a
3: really That's stupid right. move. That's it was.
5: Right. It was a bad move to make. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't have the skill to deal with it well. And I didn't know him well enough to be able to know how he would take what I had to say. Did and... you tell the police it was you? Oh, yeah. Oh, so they knew it
3: was you? Oh, yeah. And so he did poli- too. He
5: came right over as soon as the police left. Oh,
6: mm-hmm. Came
5: right over. Mm-hmm. He wasn't Tiffany, afraid Tiffany, to talk it. Tiffany, what about would you have
6: done? It. I wouldn't answer the door.
7: You <laughs> <laughs> a
5: little peep home. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I gosh. was actually kind of glad that he did because then I, I didn't have to be nervous about running into him or, or, you know, seeing him over the fence and not knowing what to do, you know. And so I was kind of glad when he did because I thought, oh, he is approachable, you know, and he was offended that I thought he was unapproachable. He was very offended that I would take such measures rather than just come over and talk with him.
3: Didn't, you got coaching, though, from neighborhood mediation. Oh, yes, I did. Oh, I tell you, yeah. So what did you finally say to him? Finally. Well, the
5: mediation taught me how to do something I didn't know how to do. I'm a very good speaker, but I found that I'm not a good listener. And conversation really takes both sides. And they taught me how to listen, and they taught me even further to see his perspective and that he's not wrong. It's right. just different. Right. And so I thought, well, I want to enjoy my home. Well, so does he. And I really realized, you know, that instead of seeing myself as being victimized by him on purpose, yeah. I yeah. should view it as he's trying to enjoy his home and his hobby and his instrument, and I'm trying to enjoy my home. Right. We're neighbors. Let's find a common ground here. And so I thought about it differently. So is he now still drumming? He moved his drums inside his home where it's less noisy and he drums not as late and it's not a problem anymore.
3: He's just driving his wife crazy now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I wanted to just say this because we have been talking about this and everybody's kind of laughing. And Tiffany said that if the drummer came to the door, she wouldn't answer the door. This is really, and we've, we've handled it very lightly today, but this is really serious business. Oh yeah. And I know you know that, yeah. all of you who've written books about it. This is really serious business. Um, so we're not making... Light of it, I know how I know how serious it is. So, what are you feeling? What did you want to say? But I felt like you wanted to say something else. Overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. I don't feel alone. You mm-hmm. know. Oh yeah, look mm-hmm. at all the people who raised. I it. know. <laughs> yeah. Thank you all. Thank you all for sharing today. Now we know. I'm gonna go try to fix the rest of my disease problem. <laughs> Thanks everybody. Bye bye. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, The Podcast. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Oprah Show, The Podcast. And I thank you for listening.
1: Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. The Angie's List You Know and Trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list.